0: in space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode 93, and we are back on the air. I hope everyone isn't super pissed. (laughs) It's been absolutely crazy the last few weeks. Uh, So let's just get into it and explain what has happened and why it's been radio silence for two something weeks so basically the long story short is we had to fix a bunch of things with our feed so the rss feed you know when i first set up the show was just set up just to get it up just to get the show out there so that i, I could broadcast everybody and put up a podcast but I, I didn't really take into account i didn't know really what i was doing to be completely honest so I got the feed up there, but it wasn't set up for long term. It wasn't set up for a lot of listeners. It wasn't set up for, you know, me to be able to put the show out consistently and, and bring it out to people consistently. So now what we've done is worked out all the kinks for the, for all that stuff and barring any other technical issues, We're now set up for the future here, so now we can bring this show out every week without having to worry about the RSS feed, which has always been in the back of my mind. It's all been kind of driving me crazy for, uh, what, almost two years now? So we should be all set now, folks. Um, The episode 90 debacle, I'm still... Hopefully, by the time this episode uh, airs, it'll be fixed. But episode nine of the Independence Day episode, uh, which will now live in infamy, um, was gone for some reason. For, for whatever reason, when we moved the feed over to our um, feed host, which is Libsyn, uh, for whatever reason, the episode just didn't come over. Uh, the text was there, but the audio wasn't there, so if you use iTunes, that means that you weren't getting the episode at all. If you're using any other kind of feed uh, reader than a podcast reader, then you might have been getting it, but only the text, which of course is useless in a show that uses audio. So hopefully it's fixed by this episode. If not, we're going to keep working on that. But you should not have to worry about the feed going down anymore. So the feed should be staying up, of course, barring any other technical issues. But if this ever happens again where the feed is down and you're wondering what's going on, first place to look is the website todayinspace.net look there Um, if there's anything going on or if there's anything I need to tell you guys about it the top of the website will have something that that tells you that what's going on Uh, if not there on the Facebook page it's Space podcast or on Twitter at ELGR3CO that's my Twitter page Um, that's the place you can look so if there's anything funny or if you notice anything uh, which is really what came to my attention in the first place. So thank you to everybody who reached out and let me know that there was something weird going on with the feed. That's really how I found out about this first. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for looking out for me. I really appreciate it. And now we're back up. We're we're good to go. So, uh, we're going to put that behind us. You know, I mean, the good thing is it's the summer. So everyone's kind of out doing things and they're busy. So, um, now that the summer is coming to a close, which is so sad. um, you know we're we're back up and running, so you know, as always, we've got a lot of stuff planned here um a little business first um before we get into all the science and and crazy shit we're gonna talk about this week um this Friday at seven p m Eastern time on the gag order network, I am breaking my political silence and uh actually talking about politics for the first time on air. Um, on John Doherty's On The Edge. So uh, John asked me to come on uh, because I've been supporting the independent candidate, Gary Johnson, uh, for presidency. Uh, I still don't know who I'm going to vote for, but honestly, the two people who are the front runners kind of sicken me, and I avoid the whole thing together. So I uh, actually was looking for somebody else Heard on Joe Rogan's podcast, Gary Johnson. And the guy makes a lot of sense. The guy makes a lot of sense. You know, he's not the most exciting person to listen to. He's not the most boisterous person to listen to. He's not as cool as Obama. Let's be honest, Obama's the coolest president we have had and probably will ever have. So, I mean, to me, I'm looking for somebody who's willing to ask questions, who's willing to take solutions and actually act on them instead of either lying to us or saying a whole bunch of crazy shit. So, um, that's what we're going to talk about on that show. I'm, I'm going on to defend Gary Johnson because he can't find anybody else (laughs) who's supporting a third party candidate to come on. So I will gladly come on, um, you know, and hopefully we're going to have a debate about it. I mean, it's politics, so it's going to get messy, but, um, you know, you're, you're gonna have that look. Look forward to uh, coming up here. We're gonna do that episode on uh, the gag order network on John's show on the Edge, and then uh, later on, maybe this month, whenever we can. Uh, but John is gonna come back. My friend John, who's come on the show, we talk about space movies and music and all that stuff. We made Pluto the misunderstood together. Um, we're gonna actually have a politics episode eventually here uh and the idea of all this is is not to uh have a yelling screaming match which seems to be what people think debating is or just politics in general um actually it's actually a different definition when you talk about it in politics but that's a totally different thing you're going to see it from my perspective you're going to see it from you know when me and uh Music, John. <laughs> Come on, uh, you know we're people. We, we've we've talked about politics since we've known each other. God, I don't know, uh, junior high. So uh, you know he's a political junkie. Uh, John Doherty's a political junkie. I grew up with political junkies. So you know, just to give you a little bit of history, I used to be a person who talked about politics a lot. I mean, I I was the the person who when. I was talking politics. It was me, the person who I was debating with, who, which I, I'm putting that in quotation marks since you can't see it, because at that time that's what I thought a debate was: was uh, maliciously giving my side of the argument and not bowing at all to the other person. And that say, that the person I was in question mark in quotation mark debating was doing the exact same thing, and. I, I remember watching people leaving the room, people just like walking out and not wanting to be involved at all, like people coming back into the room, seeing we were still at it and turning around. Um, so I was that person. I'm not going to lie to you. I was that person. Um, but then it got to a point where I realized it really wasn't for me and just got out of it completely i didn 't even have it in my life, and honestly, I think a lot of it is a huge, huge massive distraction you know uh, i 've stayed out of this year 's election completely and, and i'll i 'll be completely honest it has been fantastic, and it 's been really, really, really interesting watching it from a different perspective of being a complete outsider and, and uh, um, i didn 't plan it this way, but it turned out to be a really, really fun experiment. So (laughs) just watching people slowly go insane, you know, and it's funny, you know, I'll give you just a quick perspective from someone who was involved in the craze in 2008, you know, um, started off as, uh, what I thought was a Republican, you know, I, I definitely thought I was a Republican, you know, I have very, very high ideals for, for business and what I think individuals should be allowed to do In America with business I, I think from small From one person to a major corporation You know, there's no better place Than America to do that um, But it gets, it gets carried away You know, and then I went to college Met a bunch of different people And You saw a different, different side of things And realized I'm really not a Republican And I'm not really a Democrat I'm what I think a lot of people are Which is fiscally conservative and socially liberal. I think people should be able to do whatever they want to do. That is what I believe freedom is. Um, You know, as soon as you start hurting people or, or what you believe in is injuring or harming other people, that's a different story, but everything else should be allowed. You should be allowed to do that. But when it comes to a country and when it comes to a business, which is what a government has to run on because you're using people's money, there needs to be a plan and there needs to be a successful plan, which means you need to have a budget that is going to use that money for the best cause, right? So that's where I lie. Do what you want, but be successful at it. And that means being successful with money, which means business has to be a part of that somewhere. So... Um, this Friday, 7 PM Eastern time, I'm going on to give my thoughts and defend our, our other options out there because I think Gary Johnson is, is, is someone who's, who he was a governor governor of New Mexico. You know, he's done it before and is willing to put himself out there and make changes, even though they're not popular, you know, but knows how to do it from a business side. He's a businessman who became a politician. You know, uh, I'm all about that. And I don't think enough people know about him. So I'll be sharing all that stuff, all the stuff that he stands for that I've, I've read about. And I either agree with, or don't agree with people need to know about him. That's, that's the biggest thing. The biggest downfall with that, with Gary Johnson's just the independent candidate in general, even the green party candidate, like, not enough people know what they stand for, and you're only fed you know two options red, blue, red blue red blue it's like well there's there's more options out there, and it's fed as a two party system, and that's a whole bunch of crap you know it's just people don't take it seriously, but most of that is because people don't actually go out and look for it so I'm already going on too long about this. Check that out Friday. We're going to do another one later on with uh, my friend John. And we will bring space into both of these. In fact, on, on the episode with my friend John, we will talk about some space politics. So we're going to get into that and some crazy conceptual stuff of what could be, what would we deal with in space down the line? What would space policy look like? And that's everything from what would a border be in space, three-dimensional space, and down to how would we have policies to, for lack of a better word, I don't want to say deal with, but to create some kind of teamwork with another alien race. How would we do that? What what? What goes into that? So start thinking about that stuff because we're we're going to talk about it pretty soon. So let's start this week. And thank you for sticking with us through this, this weird period that it's been. But we're back. We've got a whole bunch to talk about this week. And we're going to be back every Monday morning for you guys. So you've got it for the drive. So you can get into work and learn something for a change. All right? Instead of listening to that... T- Damn radio that keeps playing the same fucking songs every <laughs> every 10 minutes. All right, let's do this. So let's start this week's science with a little state of space. And by state of space, I mean, what is the state of space travel? What is the public opinion? What are people talking about? What have I heard, overheard? And one of the things I've overheard since probably the last episode is something very weird that uh, doesn't surprise me but I thought I'd bring it up for conversation here and it's 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 a misunderstanding of the state of space and in all three instances the <laughs> conception of what is still happening in space travel and what is actually happening in space travel, do not line up. They don't line up at all. So the big thing is that in these three different situations, one was listening to a podcast, one was a conversation with somebody who was doing, uh, was going to be working down in Florida, and the other was just random conversation with somebody. And in all three of those conversations... It was brought up that the shuttle program or the shuttles or technology used on the shuttles or doing work for the shuttles was something that was still happening. And I, I don't know if, if, if you guys are unaware, if you're new, there's no more shuttle program that ended in, I believe, 2011. So here we are five years later. And people are still talking about the shuttles. Now, am I upset at that? No, I'm I'm not upset at that. I'm a little bit irritated, but not because of the people that had said it. I'm not mad at the people who think that the shuttle program is still available. In fact, I think they have a very good point, not the point they were trying to make, but I think they have a very good point that the shuttle program was such an important part of culture, an important part of the public knowing about space that even five years after the program has ended people are that's the last time the general public has really thought that we've gone to space, that we've done anything I mean, I still have people come up to me and ask me, well what is NASA doing? Does NASA exist? You know, and, and that's it's it's a little bit uh concerning on my part but the science continues whether they believe in it or not so uh it's not the end of the world but it it's an important thing to talk about that the shuttle program was so important to space advocacy and and just the general public's knowledge that we don't really have anything that replaces that you know the the i would say the only thing that is in the public opinion the public interest for space, is going to Mars. And if you look at the history of how that came to be, that had nothing to do with NASA. It really didn't. It, it had to do with these private companies, SpaceX in particular. They're really the one that jumped on the opportunity and, and actually it's the genesis of where SpaceX came from. If, if you, if you look into the history of Elon Musk and SpaceX and this commercial, um, space race that we're having right now. And the red planet has become the new topic. You know, it started off as, as just a, a general topic. The fact that people were, had a legitimate plan to go to Mars made people think man could what would it be like to be the first person to go to Mars I would go like to uh, tons of people not, not me in particular, but uh, I would go once the colony's already set up <laughs> would not be one of the first uh, explorers or no whats whats yeah you 'd be explorer i I would be a uh, a, uh, a i guess if you relate it to the Americas. And the first time the colonists came over, I would be one of the later ones, like maybe, uh, you know, like a Ben Franklin or Thomas Jeff, like those guys later, you know, after the colonies already set up kind of thing, you know. But anyways, that, that came into public interest. Uh, I believe part of it was SpaceX. I think another part of it was also the Mars One project, which was really they were taking – it was the first time that the public actually believed that – anyone could go to Mars and be the first people. You know, and I've talked about this on John Doherty's show a few times, and I've talked about it on this show many times. Mars won however a, uh, much of a success it may be in the future, or however much success it's had since its, its introduction into culture. They started that conversation, from what I can tell. Now, if, if there's more... Uh, if there 's someone out there with with a better timeline, please share that with me. I, I would rather get my facts right on this, but from what I saw, Mars One has started that conversation, and SpaceX picked it up with a real plan, and they 're executing that plan with f- what I could describe as flawless accuracy and and just a tenacity of brain power to get it done also. It pushed NASA to finally put together a plan, and and, and you know this week a, a fantastic video of the SLS booster, which is the Space Launch System, which is NASA's option to go to Mars, and uh, they have this new uh, multi-frame rate, multi-exposure f- camera footage of the rocket in the test phase, and. You got to check it out. It, it's, it's incredible to see all the, the fumes from the rocket coming out the back, full thrust, just power, power, power and science and more power and more fucking science. I mean, it, it, it's so crazy to see it in such a detail. That, I mean, for me as an engineer, especially someone who went to school and studied uh, gas flow rates and fluid flow rates and really everything that goes around that, what's happening in front of me, my mind goes berserk. I'm sure if you hooked me up to some kind of machine that could read my brainwaves, it would just go like way up from what it was before. Because... And that's just me learning it in a few classes. I can't even imagine what the scientists at NASA who have been doing this for years, who, have, who, who spend every waking moment working on this and pushing the bounds of that kind of science, these things they are going to be able to do with that kind of footage and refine how that, the exhaust from that rocket comes out. They're going to be able to f- hopefully... Finally, tune that rocket to get even more thrust out of it, which means they're going to be using that fuel more effectively. Which means they're going to have more fuel to use in excess, or even better, they won't even have to bring up as much fuel, which brings down the cost. Because it's 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 going to be a point I bring up ad nauseum on this on the show. Weight is everything when it comes to space travel. The more weight you have the more expensive it gets. And the more fuel you have to use, the better off you are. Because the entire mission, until we get some kind of fusion or nuclear generators that are safe enough to launch without us worrying about us detonating some kind of nuclear device if a rocket launch goes long, wrong, right above the surface, that's what the equation is. The equation is... How much fuel do you have? How much fuel can you bring up It's a fine line? How much fuel can you bring with you versus how much weight do you have on you? you know and getting off the planet is the first step you know you need all that fuel just to get yourself that 's why the multi stage rockets are the way they are. The first stage takes you out of the It gets you moving, let's put it that way, because to say you're breaking the bonds of gravity is actually technically incorrect because you're always dealing with gravity, Uh, because you're always falling. So gravity is actually the trick that keeps you in orbit, but I digress. The point I'm trying to make is the, the lighter you can make yourself... While having more fuel to use while you're in space to maneuver, to make every single move and counter move, the better off you are, the better suited your mission will be and the less constrained your mission has to be. You know, if you can put a spacecraft up there that has enough fuel to move around, make all its moves, stop its moves and its momentum if it needs to and adjust for things that were not planned in the mission, or do more science with the mission once you're up there, then you have a great mission. But it's it's a crazy equation that you have to balance. And I can tell you because I've ran shitloads of Excel files, <laughs> multiple spreadsheets that calculate all these just insane equations that are crucial for you just getting a mission to work in the first place never mind having the freedom to do some extra stuff at the end just getting the mission to work in the first place and planning that all ahead of time because once you're up you're up there's there's no there's no turning back there's no there's no reset button it's millions possibly billions of dollars in the works and you need to get it right once so just in case you weren't aware of just the the scope of how difficult it is uh, just gives you an idea in case your anxiety just rose a little bit there. You're right. And that's why you see a lot of people in the space program, especially the men uh, who don't have solid hairlines. They're just gone. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, back to the point. What what is What is the next thing that, is the public opinions space program. Because now that there's a private sector, it takes out the country aspect of it or the nas- the yeah, the nationalistic side of it, I guess. Because, you know, without a shuttle program, NASA has really been at a loss for public opinion because people believe we don't send people into space anymore because we don't do it ourselves. We don't have a vehicle. Which is what the commercial program is supposed to do for us, which its primary mission is to launch American astronauts on American soil, because we've lost that ability since we don't have the shuttle anymore. That was our car ride into space, or I guess technically our truck ride into space. And without that, we've been relying on the Russians, paying out the ass per seat Millions of dollars per seat, if I'm not mistaken, and that's just not sustainable. So, smartly enough, NASA went with the commercial crew program. Two two different companies have one uh, have won the sorry. I'm just gathering my thoughts here. Uh, have won the deals to get four guaranteed missions to deliver astronauts to the International Space Station. One of them being Boeing, which is the CST-100 capsule. And there's also SpaceX, which has the Dragon capsule, or the Crewed Dragon, because there are multiple variations of the Dragon capsule. The original Dragon, which there are multiple variations of this one, but the original Dragon is purely a cargo craft, which is meant to supply the ISS with Crucial, crucial supplies and scientific equipment. And they, since the last time we had an episode, or maybe it was last episode too, uh, they are on CRS-9, which is the Commercial Resupply ninth mission. So a lot of crucial scientific cargo on that mission and a great success again for SpaceX. And they recently just won another award or... Let me put it this way. They originally had one guaranteed order from NASA for a crewed mission, a human crewed mission with their Dragon Castle to the ISS. So bringing astronauts, American astronauts, to the ISS. And they just recently won their second official, uh, I would say, uh, let's see here, well, it, NASA ordered the second SpaceX crewed mission, and this is this is a huge step. And one of the things that you may be asking is, how can they have gotten a second mission if they haven't even done the first one? Which which is a pretty good question, and the the answer is relatively simple. It's it's because NASA is pretty much guaranteed for throughout the contract, if they are successful. So actually, let me make sure I got this right. (laughs) Before I start telling you guys, just random things. So, It says here, and I'm quoting Kathy Luters, the manager of NASA's commercial crew program, so she would be a person to quote, uh, the order of a second crew rotation mission from SpaceX paired with the two ordered from Boeing will help ensure reliable access to the station on American spacecraft and rockets. These systems will ensure reliable U.S. crew rotation services to the station and will serve as a lifeboat for the mission uh, for the space station for up to seven months. So before we go further into that it's a pretty important point there uh, that these are not only just things to get us up to the space station but they are crucial lifeboats and uh, a point of survival for these astronauts that if something were to go wrong on the space station because it is space and anything could happen you know these things will stay up there these these spacecraft will stay up there for seven months so that in the case that there is an emergency or they, or they someone needs to go home, you know, m- maybe there's a medical emergency, maybe someone needs to go back down and be taken care of. That could happen. Then they have the option to do so. You know, right now in the ISS, it's pretty dicey. I mean, other than the Soyuz, there's... I don't believe a human-rated craft that could bring people down. There are cargo craft, you know, with the Dragon. There's also the sickness craft and the Progress, which is also a Russian craft. But those are all cargo craft. They can't they, – they're not fitted – to have humans come back in and if you don't have a human rated spacecraft when you're coming back into the atmosphere you can't just throw someone strap someone into a cargo craft because they don't have the right seats and I would assume shock absorbers so you would just that person might be mush by the time they get back down to earth I don't think they would survive so obviously having something up there is is a huge huge advantage and so I, I do want to make a correction, though, on what I said earlier. It does not mean that each, uh, that both SpaceX and Boeing are going to get four each. The total is for four total orders that NASA was going to make for this commercial crew transportation capability, uh, capability contract. So Boeing received its first two orders in May and December of 2015, and SpaceX won its first in November 2015, and recently just won its second. So that that's a big deal. And And so to answer the question I brought up earlier, which is how do they order more missions if they haven't launched yet? Well, you know, this whole process, it's not like the company goes, you know, SpaceX goes away, tries to build one, and then like tries it out like this whole thing is a huge partnership between NASA and SpaceX and NASA and Boeing they NASA is the NASA is the older brother you know they've been there they've done that they're back from college they've grown up a little bit and you know what they've they've got some pretty important things that you might want to learn from you know so so NASA knows all the little things you need to do to get into space and to bring humans into space successfully. They're they're the best experienced people (laughs) to know that. They've got a wealth of knowledge and they've got all these tests and procedures and qualifications that you have to go through to ensure that it is safe enough to send people. So they are the, the gate masters for commercial companies sending, trying to go into space and entering this commercial space program. You know, so their knowledge is crucial, and they're working hand in hand with all these companies so a second order for SpaceX, especially since they're such a young company like Boeing Boeing really should almost be guaranteed you should- they shouldn't be guaranteed it, but you should assume that Boeing, given how long they've been in the business, should be getting those two orders, and they did get it relatively quickly, you know they've been in the business. They know what they need to do. They know how to play, play well with NASA and do the right things. But it's a big, big achievement for a company like SpaceX, which is young, super young, an infant as compared to space companies. So the fact that they got their second is a huge, huge milestone. And that means that NASA has confidence in their systems. And that's a huge thing going forward. And actually, if we can quote SpaceX President and Chief Operating Officer Gwynne Shotwell, uh, we're making great progress with Crew Dragon with qualification of our docking adapter and initial acceptance testing of the pressure vessel qualification unit completed. We appreciate the trust NASA has placed in SpaceX with the order of another crew mission and look forward to flying astronauts from American soil next year. And that's the other great thing about SpaceX is this isn't a waiting game. This isn't like, oh, we got to wait four years for this to happen. Or, oh, I guess the budget got reduced again, so that mission is not happening. No, they, their sole mission is to go to Mars. So this is just another step in their plan. And they're not – they don't want to just go to Mars and that's the end of their mission. Their mission is so – So high, so far, that they want to do it as quickly as possible, as quickly and effectively as possible. And that's the beautiful thing and probably the most frustrating thing that Elon Musk brings to the table. You know, it's a beautiful thing for everybody else because, you know, his team is bringing space travel closer and closer to everybody way faster than it ever would be before and i'm sure the frustrating thing working for a man like elon musk is you're never getting things done fast enough it's always this has got to be done faster you know i mean there's definitely stories out there of you know um people just getting their asses reamed out about just not getting it done and and it is i mean you got to see spacex as the marines of engineering, a company like that. And that it's the same goes for Boeing. You know, that is the Marines of engineering. There's no there's no, oh I gotta take Wednesday off. You know, there's no there's no ah oh, dude I gotta go home and feed my cat. No, you should have fucking thought of that before you s- signed up to join SpaceX. You better automate your cat feeder and your pooper scooper Because you might not make it home for three days. You know, and if you do make it home, you're only there for like a few hours. And then you're back to work because you're on a mission. You're not going to work. You're on a mission. And that's the difference between everyone that works in the space industry and just an average job. You know, and I think that's part of the reason there's a disconnect between, you know, just daily life with a bunch of people is they don't have time to post on Facebook about what they're doing. They don't have time to uh, Instagram the stuff they're doing. Number one, because they can't share that stuff. Uh, but number two, because they don't have the fucking time. They're too busy doing it. You know? So it's it's something I just wanted to bring up this week. And it's a congratulations to SpaceX. And it's just a a way of thinking about it because I've talked to a bunch of people uh, and, and a bunch of people who listen to the show and, you know, the kind of consensus is that, you know, space travel really is this, it is kind of a niche thing, but it doesn't have to be, you know, I feel like there just hasn't been any good way for it to break into something that everyday people, people that just every day can can kind of get into it you know it doesn't have to be super complicated and that's what we're trying to do here so i hope that wasn't too complicated (laughs) but you know if that's 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 what we need to do is is make these complicated things a little bit easier you know um that's that's what i think anybody who has any kind of science or anything super complicated that they do if they could just boil it down to something simpler, the simplest way you can explain it, then you're doing everybody else a service and you're also making your understanding of your craft, your science, even better. And that's everything. That's chemistry, biology, um, physics, uh, manufacturing, civil engineering, industrial engineering. uh, The list goes on. If you can take what you're doing and simplify it and make it something that's interesting and something people can jump onto, something quick, then you're doing it right. That's what we try to do here. We don't always get there, but we try to do that here. <laughs> All right, let's jump into uh, the 3D printing update for this past week. Yeah. This week's 3D printing update, as always, is brought to you by AG 3D Printing, a place where you can use my engineering prowess and abilities to get yourself something 3D printed, whether it's a school project, a gift for somebody, maybe you got a business idea or you just want to get something 3D printed, you can come to me. You know, I, I can I can help you get it done. And that's what AG3D Printing is all about. And it's also about spreading the knowledge about 3D printing and and telling people about 3D printing and sharing what you can do with 3D printing. So we have a few stories about that this week. And we're going to talk about what's been going on because even though the show may have been out for a week and a half, two weeks, we were busy as all hell here, 3D printing. So... We've done four prints since the last time we talked, which uh, to some people may not seem like a lot, but it is considering (laughs) working a full-time job and only having three hours a day to work on things. That's, That's pretty good. So, the first thing was a design from, I believe it's Brooklyn 3D on Thingiverse, and it's an SD card Holder that looks like a mountain and the actual Name of his is is the SD card mountain and uh, It's pretty cool I've got it here in front of me here It holds five SD cards And you know for me It was just it was a design I saw that was really Cool that I had saved for a really long Time and It was one of those days where I was like okay today I'm 3D Printing what am I Going to do and it's Very cool the slots are kind of Staggered so it makes it look like the cards Are part of the mountain so it kind of looks like mountain peaks, and and really, it's just a really cool way to keep these in somewhat stored. Because <laughs> if if I don't have them in here, they're everywhere, and I actually might lose them, which is not good. So, uh, really cool design by uh, Brooklyn Three D. The second one, which is actually our first paying customer, which woohoo! But uh, um, it's. A project I had worked on uh, for a company, they have a, a, a CMM. And a CMM, for anyone who doesn't know, is a uh, uh, a computer controlled measurement system. And it's a measurement machine, actually. It might be a computer measurement machine, it might be CMM. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> but essentially, it's a completely uh, machine operated machine Oh my god i'm just 'm just running around anyways it 's a big machine it has a probe on the end of it, and you use this probe to measure parts and you can take points you can make planes you can make lines you can create all these different features and basically take the part that you have in real life and with this probe take points in 3 d space in the program so this is really important for companies in aerospace in medical in Uh, any kind of manufacturing. If you have a part and you want to know, I I made this part. It's supposed to be like this. How do I know what it actually is? That's a big problem with manufacturing is you can design the part all you want, but if you can't make it, then you're shit out of luck. So a CMM is a, a crucial, crucial tool for people to figure out what they actually have. What did they make? So this company, CMM, uh, has a, a power switch that controls pretty much all the motors, I believe. And it's located at knee height, right on the back of the machine, which is right next to where these these employees are loading in heavy parts. You know, they've got to use a crane, you know, and they have to position themselves to move the part in the machine because if the, this big part moves uh, or or... You anything like that, you could damage damage the machine. So you got to be careful. you got to make sure you're positioned for your own safety and for the part's safety. So, but the problem is the switch is located right where your knee is going to hit. And if, if for whatever reason, you need to pay more attention to the part than your knee, you might kick the switch. And the problem with that switch is if you kick that switch, your whole day is fucked. You just, your machine just shut down, which means all the data you were taking is gone. That includes all the different tips that you use, all the different sizes of probes that you use. All that stuff, gone. You've got to restart your whole day. So that's no good. That's no bueno in in, in a company. So uh, I went to task and I designed a knee pad for them. And it's basically just uh, kind of like a D-shaped little puck that sits around the switch. And actually, the way we designed it was real... Uh, we designed it to just the outside limit of, of the switch, which has this little rubber guard on the outside of the switch, and it's so good that it actually snugly fits right around, and because it's a rubber seal, the part doesn't even need to be mounted or anything. It sits flush with the machine, and there was no extra work that was needed, so it was a really cool project. It came out really nice. Check out our Instagram page uh, to take a look at it or on ag3dprinting.com and, uh, very proud of this project and the customer's really happy with it. So I'm very happy. So that was very, very cool. Uh, it was in blue ABS and we actually uh, engraved some letters, uh, into it, which came out really, really nice. Um, let's move on here. Uh, we also, uh, did a few prints for ourselves this week. And uh, one of them was a quick level, well, a quick leveler, quick bed level. And uh, I'd seen a bunch of ones online and didn't really like them and finally decided, okay, I'm going to make my own. And the whole idea is, you know, a major part of 3D printing is leveling the bed, the bed that the plastic gets put on. You know, that bed needs to be level with the nozzle because then you're putting out uh, an even layer of plastic and the plastic is actually adhering to the plate better because if, if it's squished more tightly on one side and not on the other, as it's cooling down and shrinking, it's going to lift off and then your whole print is fucked. So you need to have your bed level every single time. And It's something you have to do every time you print. We're, we're not at the iPhone stage of 3d printers. It's not done for you. So it's a huge chunk of time, because it's not an easy thing, and if you don't have a process down, it could take, it's taken me on, uh, before I've really hammered this down, it's taken me maybe hours, and some nights I've just straight up given up and said I'm trying it tomorrow. Now that that was the early days of 3D printing, but for me, uh, now I've kind of found some tips and tricks to make it easier for myself. And this quick leveler, is another step in making that even quicker because the less time I have to spend leveling the damn bed is more time I have to work on 3D printing projects and it's better quality parts for myself and for you. So it's a part for all of us, really. So what it is is it's just a plastic part with uh, that sits on top of the rails that the nozzle sits on and you just slide it, you just put it on top of that With a dial indicator on it. Which dial indicator is basically a little tiny probe with a tip on it. And it's got a a gauge that goes around. And the farther you press the gauge in, the dial goes around. So the idea is, if we put that dial indicator in the leveler, then that's going to tell us the distance between itself and the bed. And since the nozzle rides on that rail... You're essentially telling it what it is from the nozzle. So when it's cold, when I first start the machine, before I even heat it up, what I'm going to do is take this leveler and hit at least three different spots across the whole top. Because that's all you need to make a plane level is three points spread out across the whole thing. Uh, four is better. Five, six, seven is, is overdoing it. But three is the minimum you need to do. So what I'll be able to do with this is move the, the rail around and touch three different spots across the bed. And I'll be able to know with that dial indicator within a thousandth of an inch how level that is. And so I, I get to do that with the little knobs, bring it in. And 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 it may not seem like that much time, but it is a huge time saver. If I can do this before the machine even gets heated up, then I run the calibration Program on my machine, and within in under an hour, I can have it done. It should never. It shouldn't take me that long. But um, this is just making things better. That's what it's all about, and that, that's what we're about is making things better, doing it better than we did it yesterday. That that's what we're trying to do here at AG3D. So uh, a huge, huge improvement for us, and uh, I'm happy to say I'll be testing that out thoroughly soon, and you'll get a video of how. It's gonna work, so that way you can actually see it. So that'll come up on our Instagram page soon. Uh, next, and the the last print we did was a uh, a pegboard piece. Uh, you know, I, I love pegboards, and keeping things off the workspace table is is the way you gotta go. Having a place for things is the way you gotta go if you want to make things better, right? That we don't have to think about them. You know, you know where they are, and you know if they're missing. So. One of the things that's a crucial everyday thing that I use for every single print is your average glue stick. The same glue stick you used to glue paper to paper back when you were in elementary school. That's what we use for 3D printing. And the idea behind the glue stick is that it helps keep the plastic adhered to whatever you're printing on and uh it's 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 a craze that kind of happened in, in the last year or so in 3D printing and now really everybody is using it i mean it's just such a great tool it doesn't you know it, it's it's soft to go on when it heats up it's soft it sticks to the plastic extremely well and it's not difficult to remove the part afterwards which of course is another huge huge hurdle to get over in 3D printing You know, getting the part off after it sticks, you know, getting it to stick is the first part. That's the bed leveling. Getting it to stick is the first part. Getting it off once it's already stuck is a whole nother thing. So having something really simple, really cheap, that can help you get the part off easier afterwards is a win-win. I mean, why wouldn't you use it, right? So needless to say, we have to have a lot of glue sticks (laughs) at AG3D. So I figured, what's a better thing to do than to have a glue stick holder. I'll have all the glue sticks that I've got in one little, you know, rack. It's it's basically a, it's as thick as the glue stick, and it goes up probably to fit five or six glue sticks stacked on their sides. So I can see all those, you know, you can see through the, the holder. And uh, I also have got a spot for the glue stick I'm using to sit. Um, the design still needs a little bit of work. Um, you know, one of the holes wasn't the exact right size, but it's okay. The way I designed it is I I can use it a different way. So, uh, thank goodness for designing and thinking ahead, but, uh, yeah, it came out good. Um, you know, it's a blue ABS and, uh, 0.3 millimeter layer height. So that's, that's average quality. You know, it's not great, but. It's it gets the job done and it's faster, so uh, it was a good print, uh, came out really nicely, and you know it's one of my own designs, so uh, it's good to see. It's good to kind of try these different things, and it's the first time I've made a pegboard item for myself. So the other challenge was designing the pegs to go into the pegboard, and so I had to figure out okay, how do they actually space those pegs? You know, what's that distance? You know, and it's actually it's an inch from the center of those circles so it's an inch to an inch from for each circle so uh if you didn't know that there you go that's that's the standard for backboards and uh the holes are 0.2 inches so go figure Uh, a little tidbit for you so yeah so that's that's where we're at right now we've got some projects coming up here in the future i've got some some parts for some friends and really with the school year coming out coming up here soon you know it's time to start thinking about especially if you're in school or you've got a friend who's in school start thinking about what you're going to do with your time and maybe some projects you've got coming up and if you have any ideas that you want to jump on if, if you have a product idea if you have something something that you've just been thinking about and you know you don't think you have the money or you don't think you can take it seriously you know don't think like that This is the 21st century. You can make this happen. And even better yet, you've got an engineer with 3D printers. Okay? We can make this shit work, all right? We can make those ideas come to reality. Literally. And within a few weeks, we can take your idea and put it into your own hands. I mean, that's something that's never been achievable ever in humanity. And... It's something that you can you can get for what you think of as, as no time and almost no money. When you consider, you know, what it would cost you back in the day. You know, if you had an idea that you wanted to sell, right? And this isn't even that long ago. Uh, let's just say it's a plastic part, right? You would have to somehow make a prototype, you know, which would have been taking a chunk of plastic and, you know, cutting it away, whether it's drills or a mill or anything like that. Or you had to somehow, you know, make a mold yourself and inject it. Or even even more, you you would have to go pay someone to make a mold, which would then make hundreds of thousands of parts, which cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. and, And you would never get there. You would need investors and then you'd have to compromise your vision and all that stuff. You don't have to do that anymore. You know, there are there are people out there, like myself, with 3D printers that have the ability to bring your ideas into life, and all you have to do is come to them with an idea. And we can make it happen here at AG3D. That's what we're trying to say, is if you have an idea, if you have a business idea, a gift you want to give somebody, or a project that you want to kick ass in school with, come to AG3D, and we will help you out, whether it's designing 3D printing, 3D scanning, assembly. We can do a lot of different things. I've, I've, I've been in the industry before. I've been in plastics. I've, I've been in metrology. I know how to measure and design and inspect different items. I know that I'm bringing you the right parts. I've done all this stuff before. Let me bring that to you. And let's bring your ideas into reality. Because anything is possible all right so AG 3d printing bringing your ideas into reality don't wait until you see it on some commercial and you slap yourself saying I should have done it let's do it today and that my friends is the 3d printing update brought to you by AG 3d printing And to close out this week's show, I just wanted to remind everybody to send a farewell to the Philae lander, which is the first lander to ever land on a comet. And... Although it had its troubles, you know, the harpoons that were supposed to help secure it to the surface of the comet didn't deploy after being in space for 10 years, and it bounced a few times before it even landed, and it had power issues. It hung in there, and it gave us valuable, valuable information. And now the comet is far enough away from the sun that there's not enough juice From the sun at that distance. For it to stay alive any longer. So we say goodbye to the Philae lander. And we thank it for being the first robot to land on a comet. And I also want to thank everybody for sticking with us through this uh, dark time with Today in Space. But we are back. And we will be back every week from now on. So check in Monday mornings. We're going to bring you science. We're going to bring you conversation. And just remember, enjoy yourself, go do what you want to do, don't compromise, spread love, spread science, and we'll see you next week. Don't forget to check me out Friday on 7 p.m. Eastern Time on The Edge, and I'm going to debate John Doherty. I'll be representing Gary Johnson, and he'll be representing Hillary Clinton. It's going to be something else. So check us out there. And if you stick through, we will be talking about space at the end of that show. So uh, if you can make through the politics, you can enjoy yourself. Have a great week, everybody.